God is with you. Let us pray. God of true abundance, in whom nothing is lost and all are fed, liberate us from meager rations of scarce and grudging love for which we must compete. Show us another kingdom which stills our all-consuming fear and fills us with new hope through Jesus Christ. Amen. Get ready. I'm about to dork out for a bit on some pretty churchy stuff. It will be worth it in the long run. This year, the lectionary, which is a set of readings, the Episcopal Church, the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, and several other denominations follow. The lectionary is in year B. In year B, we read mostly Mark's gospel. There are several things we know about Mark. It was likely the first gospel compiled, first orally, then written. It reflects a period of trauma indicated by sparse language and shocking vocabulary, such as Mark's penchant for the word immediately. Also, Mark is the shortest gospel. Because it is so short, the lectionary supplants Mark with bits of John. We saw this around Easter time, and for the next five weeks, we'll be back in John's gospel. We'll be working our way through what is called the bread of life discourse. We'll come back to that in a moment. As we've seen, John and Mark do not see eye to eye. Mark's prose is stark, Hemingway-esque, simple, emotional, but matter-of-fact. John's prose is flowery. It's almost entirely metaphors. But the differences between these two books go much deeper than style and language. They differ on key facts. In Mark, the cleansing of the temple is the primary event that precipitates Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. It happens at the end of Jesus' ministry. In John, Jesus cleanses the temple at the beginning of his ministry, in the second chapter, right after the wedding at Cana, which is unique to John and is uh, not even his uh, intended beginning of his ministry. In John, Jesus' arrest and crucifixion are the result of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. In Mark, there's no resurrection narrative. It ends with the empty tomb, and the women said nothing to anyone. In John, it's resurrection from the get-go. In Mark, Jesus' humanity is evident. In John, Jesus' divinity eclipses his humanity. You get the idea. Despite these major differences, there is one passage on which they agree. 
the feeding of the 5,000. In fact, the passage today out of John is largely lifted straight out of Mark. Did you notice Mark's favorite word in the last verse? Immediately. Greek, euthios. It is a telltale sign of Mark's work. So, why does John cut and paste this passage, the feeding of the 5,000, into his gospel? Well, it was important. It's the only miracle of Jesus that appears in all four gospels. That's true. But as we've discussed, John doesn't really care about the facts. John uses incidents related to the life of Jesus to launch theological metaphors. The Samaritan woman is a springboard for the water of life metaphor. Nicodemus is a springboard for the metaphor of spiritual rebirth. And the feeding of the 5,000 is the springboard for the bread of life discourse. In the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the feeding of the 5,000 is evidence of Jesus' compassion. It is a response to social justice. In John, the feeding of the 5,000 is all about Jesus' divinity. As Johannine scholar Caroline Lewis points out, the feeding and subsequent bread of life discourse are, are all about, quote, the presence of God in our midst. For the next five weeks, that will be John's goal, to celebrate and comment on Jesus as the presence of God in our midst. Midst. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Im Anu Eil, with us God. You might remember that John has a linguistic tick. While in Mark, everything happens immediately, in John, Jesus uses I am metaphors. I am the bread of life. I am the living water, the true vine, the way, the truth, and the life. In Greek, the phrase is ego e mi. This is like yo soy in Spanish. Ego e mi is a repetition of the personal pronoun I for emphasis. I myself am is the understanding. It has added power, power with that repeated first-person pronoun. This is not just a linguistic trick of John's gospel. It harkens back to the Exodus, to Moses in the burning bush, in which Moses asks, who is speaking? And God says, Eye, Asher, Eye. I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. I am. We're going to hear a lot of that from John. And what do we get today? Jesus walks across the water. The disciples see him and are terrified. And what does Jesus say? Ego e me. I am. It is at once Jesus declaring himself, just like God with Moses, and Jesus saying to his friends, Hey, it's me. You know me. It's just me. Don't be scared. I'm here. 
the other night, my two and a half year old son, Amos, was crying out in the middle of the night. She doesn't really do much anymore. He kind of sleeps through the night. But this time, and occasionally, he'll scream very loudly, obviously having a little nightmare. And I went up to, to see him and comfort him. And as soon as I picked him up, his little arms squeezed right around my neck. It's really, really strong, really hard. You can feel his little body shaking. And poor little guy was really scared. And I patted him on the shoulder, patted him on the back, and said, It's okay. Everything's okay. I'm here. It's okay. That is the calming presence of God in our midst, saying, it's me. I am. Family systems therapist and rabbi Edwin Friedman defines this as a non-anxious presence. That is, it is an individual who can bring healing to traumatic, intense environments by self-differentiating themselves from the energy of the situation. Like a parent comforting children in the night, God comforts us by being with us, reassuring us that God is here with us. God is with us as we struggle with the dregs of this pandemic. God is with us as we move inside the chapel and back out again and back inside. God is with us as we take on climate crisis and gender inequality and injustice of every sort everywhere. God is with us. God reminds us, I am right here. I am right here in the breeze through the sycamores. I am right here in the eyes of a stranger in need. I am right here in the place where five thousand hungry people can be fed at any moment. God is here with us now and forever. Amen. mustard seed this week is to listen for that I am. Listen in the breaks, in traffic, listen in the breeze, in the trees, listen while you are praying, listen while you're going about your day, listen for God's presence reminding you that God is. God is with you. Have a great week. trust and hope, we turn our hearts to God in prayer. 
comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the good earth and for the wisdom to live into our interdependence with all of God's creation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God, the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For deliverance from all violence, oppression, and degradation. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. For the good work of this community, may our roles be uplifted by one another as we do healing work in Isla Vista and beyond. God of love, We pray this week for the end of the pandemic. We pray for healing for all. We pray for the people of Cuba and of Haiti. We pray for all who are struggling in this time of cultural transition. We pray for those preparing for the UCSB academic year to begin. For all of these we pray. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. God of love, hear the prayers of your people. All that we have asked faithfully, grant that we may obtain effectually to your honor and glory. Amen. And now we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.